Alright, good evening everyone, and happy Cinco de Mayo to you all. Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA, in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight we will again be covering the Antioch Police text message scandal and the community outrage that has followed. On tonight's show, we'll hear a community response as they take to the streets and speak out about racist police on the department steps ahead of a special city council meeting. We'll also hear from civil rights attorney John Burris as he launches a federal lawsuit against the Antioch police. John also brings the survivors of this violence to share their stories. And we'll get a short update on some upcoming actions. All that tonight on Full Circle. I'm your host, Freewill and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory here. Keep it locked to KPFA. All right, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I am your host for tonight. Again, a happy Cinco de Mayo to you, and a happy birthday to my kid, Aaron Pollan. Happy birthday out there. And yes, tonight we will be hearing more community response resulting from the racist, misogynist, and homophobic text message scandal involving the Antioch Police Department here in Antioch, California. And many of you know for about the past Uh, Two years or so, the Antioch police have been under an ongoing federal investigation into a range of charges, including fraud by obtaining false degrees to increase their salary, selling and using illegal steroids and cocaine, taking bribes to resolve traffic tickets and much more. Recently, it was uncovered in that investigation that the officers were sending racist, misogynistic, and homophobic text messages to each other regularly using the N-word and other demeaning language referring to the black and brown community here in Antioch. Included in those text messages were jokes about perpetrating violence on the community and even threatening the mayor with violence, who is an African-Latino-American. So let's go to this community protest held on the steps of the Antioch Police Department on April 19th. And just FYI, for time, this is only a small part of the speakers. You can see the entire video on our Facebook, First Voice Media. Antioch, welcome to Antioch. Hey, hey. <laughs> <Woo>! Yay. <Yeah. laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome. We are now outside the Antioch Police Department. We are here with demands to ensure that our community's rights are no longer violated. And with that, we want policies to happen. Today, who we are, I am Patricia Granados. I'm a veteran 
I'm a community member of Antioch of many, many years. I have fought for our rights to protest, our rights to freedom of speech, our rights to vote, our democracy. So let's continue that work that we do as community members. We are the NAACP, Lift Up Contra Costa, ACE, Safe Return Project. We are facing homelessness, Reimagine Antioch, Monument Impact, 4150, here, today, home tomorrow. And most importantly, we are Antioch residents. That's who we are. Antioch. Antioch is everybody from everywhere, from all over the Bay, from all over the nation, from other countries. Doesn't matter what day you arrive in the city of Antioch. As soon as you're here, we are part of this community. With that. I'll do a little intro. I'll do a yes, little please. Frank will take over on here and continue our mission. All right. Yeah, I'm Frank Sterling. Many of you, um, I'll share my story in a little bit, but I'm an Antioch resident of uh, 50 plus years, and I was attacked by the Antioch police in 2009. And like I said, I'll share more about that in a minute. And I want you to just kind of realize why we're out here. Um, one, for the people that are caught in those text messages, those victims who've been uh, double victimized by what's happened to them, their beatings, and then to be talked about like that in those text messages. Some of them people are here today. And uh, let's not forget the voices that we can't hear. Some people never made it back from their encounter with the police. Many people were killed. Um, some people are scared and afraid to come up and share their stories because of what we know the Antioch police are capable of. And some of us are family members and survivors of police violence. I didn't die. I consider myself lucky, but I was choked unconscious where I, th I thought I was dying. But people like Wendell Celestine, Rakim Rux, Angelo Quinto, Arturo gomez Kalel, they didn't make it. They didn't make it. So think about that. And um, just a big question. We got room for racism here? No. This building? No. Hate? No. Sexism? No. And this, uh, this higher power they feel like they are. There's no room for that here in our community. And um, luckily for us here in Antioch, we have some elected officials that are willing to speak up and have stood up to bring change here. And one of them is gonna come up and speak now. I believe she's out here in the crowd. And that's our District 1 representative and the Mayor Pro Tem, uh, Tamisha Torres Walker. Big hand for T who's been a voice for us. And in fact, when we had a protest here in 2020, Tamisha joined us, not as a councilwoman, but as a person at that point. And she told us she was gonna run if no one else did. And here she is. Thank you for doing that, Tamisha. We appreciate you. Oh, man. We here again. We got to keep being here. If we don't get it, 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 justice, accountability, transparency. These are things that the community have been asking for since I came to Antioch. My first rally against police brutality was right at City Hall with a small group of community members who knew that these things existed in our community and they were largely ignored. Frank Sterling, Catherine Wade, 
and a handful of others. And so it was my duty as a new resident of Antioch to get involved and try to figure out what, what is going on. Why aren't these residents being heard or listened to? And it was because we had leaders who didn't care. We had leaders who were only worried about power, prestige, and being recognized over doing the work that was necessary for the people, whether it was a small group or not. And now we know today that the group of people impacted isn't small, it can be in the thousands, and that the perpetrators are the very people in this building that are supposed to protect and serve and uphold the law, but in doing so, violating our rights, our bodies, our spirits, and our communities. And if we don't make a demand today that not just the leaders in this city do something, but that residents who have allowed this culture to persist, not just in the police department, but also in our community, need to step up today and be on the right side of justice. You can back the blue, green, red, brown, whatever you want to back. But today is the day to back right what is morally right and be against what is morally wrong. And what is morally wrong is what has been occurring in our community. Lives lost, and we only talk about the dead. We don't even talk about everybody, the individuals who have to live with this trauma. We don't know how many people confess to crimes under duress or falsely who have had their freedom taken from them. We have a lot of work to do. And if we have to, shut it down. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem, Tamisha Torres Walker. Thank you. Um, Frank is going to speak on behalf of the Quinto family. Uh, Angelo Quinto was a Navy veteran brother. Thank you, Frank. And as many of you know, Angelo was killed by the Antioch police um, in their home right over here on 18th, off of 18th Street when the family themselves called for help for their son who was suffering a mental health crisis. And although he wasn't violent, he wasn't committing a crime. When they arrived, they still held him down in a positional asphyxia position that caused his asphyxiation. And they tried to cover that up. They tried to cover that up and say he died in the hospital, it wasn't in custody, that he was on drugs. All that is not true and it, it's coming to light in their civil case, so watch for that. Unfortunately, the Quinto family couldn't be here um, so they asked me to uh, speak on their behalf, so I'm going to read a statement that they prepared um, for me to read. Again, this is from the Quinto family. They say, we wish we could be here with you all in this community, and we will join you as soon as we can. But for now, we are there in spirit. The biocommunications within the APD that continue to be revealed are deeply troubling to a community that had suffered from abuse by those sworn to protect us. 
The text messages are not alleged. They are proof of extreme prejudice and intent to do harm. They corroborate the experiences and stories of abuse community members have faced for years. The messages contain admissions to participating in illegal contact or planning to as officers violated the civil rights of citizens in several different ways and on multiple occasions. The implications of this are tremendous. These texts are not only harmful and traumatizing to the community as a whole, but are the very reason that many individuals convicted of serious crimes, if guilty, will not be held accountable either. It is clear that the entire culture within the, the department that fostered a space for those people with special authority, power, and weapons to safely express their bigoted and criminal thoughts and intentions is extremely unsafe for the community. These texts must be investigated not only as texts with racist, homophobic, homophobic sexist, and otherwise prejudi prejudi prejudicial content, excuse me, but also the possible evidence of crimes under police gang statutes, as well as the possibility of conspiracy to carry out hate crimes against residents, among other things. Moreover, we think federal oversight is necessary in a situation where a culture and a system of abuse and deception is so predominant. We would like to end with some ideas from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Silence is often more dangerous than brutality. Love can drive out hatred, and right now it's the perfect time to do what's right. That's from the Quinto family. Thank you very much to the Quintos. Big hand for them, for all the work they've done in our community, even after they lost their son. Help get us body cameras, a mental health response team that's non-police, right? And they even got a bill passed in, at the state level to ban positions that cause positional asphyxia, something that wasn't in the George Floyd bill, or it was in the George Floyd bill, but got removed before it was signed into law. So it had to be re-brought back up again. So again, thank you and a big hand to the Quintos. Let's welcome Mama Catherine Wade. Queenie Love. I just want to say I've been on these grounds since 2014 fighting for my baby, Malad. Somebody listen. And I had to come to the realization that it wasn't my time, it was God's time. It was God's time. Although I don't have my baby with me no more, no, he's still watching over me. From the dream that I had, he came to me. He said, Mama, why they do this to me? He was crying. Talk with his hands, Mama, why they do this to me? Two times, he said, Mama, you gonna fight for me? I said, my Lord, I'm gonna fight for you. I was fighting for my baby before he left me, and I'm still fighting for my Lord. And I just wanna read something that I wrote for him. Because, see, when you're a family, the whole family has been a part of this. The whole family is affected by this. 
when I read the text, it felt like my son died all over again. It felt like he died all over again. On August the 20th, 5th, 2020, at 12.34 p.m., Malad's words, living day by day, I'm already an isolated person. Living in freedom and freedom taken away can't be a part of the world or my child or family in my world. I don't understand this situation, and I talked to God about how we grew up in love. My grandma taught us love. I'm different, but real. I love my family. When they speak to me, it's love. God put me in, this fam in a family I can cherish. I'm alive, been lied on, and mistreated. It is 12 noon, what it is, 12 of the number. And I made him sign it, Malad Baldwin. But what I want to say is, everybody said, I've been telling the same story. This lady, she's crazy. She get up there and say the same story. But when you say the same story and it's, when you say the truth, it's the truth. I only told the truth. Complaint after complaint, requesting reports, complaints that match videos of instances they did to my baby. They beat my life five times. They had him shot up with medicine. I don't know what they shot him up with. Took him to jail, hospital and jail and let out. Reading the officer's text about my baby made me feel like Malad died all over again. The boasting and the bragging about what you did to people is so heartbreaking. The threats you made on this community, the black and the brown, something needs to be done. We can't do it, but something needs to be done. I'm Alad's mother, he has a father, he has a son, he has siblings, he has aunties, uncles, cousins, friends that loved him. And even some of them didn't even believe Malad's story. So I thank God that I, his mom, that God put me in places where my son, if he was walking down the streets, I'm driving the police, pulling him over. Sitting in the car at Walmart, a Glock on his temple for nothing. Walking down the streets, listening to his music, officer riding on the side of him, and she dispatched other officers, and they come two cars and just beat him up, take him to jail. Malad in front of his own house, listening to his music, the firefighter, this is their words. Contra Costa County Fire Department in the neighborhood on the unrelated call noticed an unusual patient. They knew he was a patient, summoned the police. They came, followed my son in his house and beat him. Took him to Southern Delta, took him to jail, let him out. One time he came up missing and we were looking for him for two days, calling the hospitals and the jails. He wasn't there. When he called me from jail days later, when we picked him up, he had a busted head. He said, Mike Malone Hoffman beat him. So do they have records of that? I went to the chief's forum the other night, 
And I walked up to her office. I said, what's your name? He said, Moorfield. I said, oh. I said, you, Malone and Hoffman beat Malone and you busted his head. I did like this. I said, did you report you reloaded, your, unloaded your firearm? You were shooting at my son? That officer looked at me and said, he didn't die. That was before I knew about the text. So now, I just want to read a list that I read at a city council meeting one night. This is a new regime. We are under a new regime. And these are some officers that I got off medical records that beat my son. Because they won't release the police reports. So I want to read Collie and Brogdon. Those were the first two that I witnessed beating my son. And at that time, they beat him in the buttocks. And Amiri and, and Carly. Amiri held his legs open while Kali beat him in the anus again. Kali, Brogdon, Vanderpool, Kathan, Green, Perkinson, Adams, Wise Carver, Aguila, Hoffman, Staff Safford, Malone, Ibanez, Gioni, Stinger, Odom, Schaefer, Gerard, Chang, McManus, Barrera, Lieutenant Bird Vigil, Schaefer. And Castilla got fired in 2018 because he was telling the drug dealers when the police was coming. So tell me they don't turn on the police department. So right now, I'm out here. I've been out here for years. And all I want is justice for my son, whatever that looks like. God, whatever you say that looks like, I want justice for Malad Baldwin. I want justice for my baby. Justice for Malad. All right, you want to, um, who are we introducing next? Oh. Shagufa Khan. Yeah. Shagufa Khan, community activist, educated young woman, community member of Antioch, victim of the Antioch Back the Blue crew. And um, for those of you that remember in 2020 in the summer, we were camped out here protesting what we knew was going on. Shagufa was one of them. And when you look in the text messages, they were talking about her in a lot of those messages. All right, Shagupa. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you, first off, for coming, coming together as a community to make sure that we hold this Antioch Police Department accountable for what they've done to families, children, community members, students, parents, everyone. It's not just the people here that they've been impacting. What about the people that are not here right now, that are too afraid to come speak out because the police department are targeting them, harassing them? It is beyond absurd that there are community members in Antioch that are still justifying despite these text messages. They are still supporting these officers who were racist, homophobic, ageist, sexist, all, I'm pretty sure they're just, just, just hateful, disgusting people in general. These police officers better be fired and never again become a police officer, ever. We must come together as a community, whether you're left, right, middle, what the, whatever the hell you are. We all must come together. This isn't a lefty issue. When people hold, try to hold the police accountable, what do they say? Either you're crazy, you're a lefty, you're a Democrat, you just hate the police. 
Hell no, there was a reason we hated the police. These text messages just further proves and justifies our countless protests. Catherine coming out here for since 2014, Frank fighting for years in other communities that have been trying to show people that this police department is not something that we should be proud of. So we need to come together, hold the chief of police accountable for what he's saying, that he will fi hopefully fire these police officers and make sure that they never run across our streets ever again and never become police officers anywhere else. And we need to make sure we go to city council, which we will, and show the support that this police department needs to change and the hatred and hateful culture that has been going on for way too long and it needs to stop. So thank you so much, let's continue this. Thank you, Shagufa. Thanks for your dedication and for camping out here for those weeks. And while we're out here, other folks in the community, just average folks, came by and threw eggs at us. That's kind of people that are driving around out here. Yeah, well, right up right out where these guys are sitting. They came and threw eggs at us. Well, thank you, everybody. And we got a couple more speakers. Remember, we're going to all walk up to the city council meeting at five, uh, around 4.30. It's about a five, ten-minute walk, depending on our speed. Um, Around 4.45, we're going to walk up. Um, but right over here in the corner, we got uh, Nicole Gardner of Facing Homelessness. And she deals with a particular officer every day. These complaints, Officer Linderman. And she has a petition that she wants everyone to sign to get rid of this officer. I went to a community forum about two weeks ago with Nicole. And unfortunately... Uh, Chief Ford was duped by this officer because Chief Ford was up there saying he was such a great guy. And Nicole called him out and said, no, he's not. He's harassing our unhoused community. And now he's caught up in the text messages, too. So here's Nicole. She's going to tell you more about Officer Linderman and um, her friends here. You can use that other mic if you want to as well. No, this is good. Thank you, Frank. Um, so my name is Nicole Gardner with Facing Homelessness, um, established back in 2017. Um, I have some of my team members with me and friends that have that were formerly homeless and have been they're, they're my go-to's because they were with me from day one. They're now housed. Um, so excited about that. But they, I have them coming up here with me because uh, it's it's been years since you know, since back then to where I'm speaking for the unhoused and I really wanted them to have a, you know, at least be up here with me so that they can, if you want to say anything, you can say anything, but just to have them stand here with me, because um, it's been a long journey. So I wrote mine down just for time, um, just to make sure I have enough time. Um, so I've advocated for the voiceless here in the city of Antioch for years and I've listened to the harassment and criminalization of homelessness homelessness from our brothers and sisters on our streets by APD. They have said that they have gotten 24-hour notice after 24-hour notice to leave from street corner to street corner. They have said that they have been talked down to and degraded as if they were less than human by this police department. Majority of the complaints over the years have been about the community engagement team lead officer Linderman. We have heard of him arresting and threatening to arrest uh, them for not leaving an area immediately with their belongings. He has threatened to tase them. He has led in efforts to take all of their belongings, including their tents, blankets, food, important paperwork, and all that they need to survive in the cold weather. 
waking them up early in the morning hours and taunting them and making them pack up and leave public areas and criminalizing them by writing tickets to folks just to harass them in retaliation if they happen to speak up for themselves. I was not surprised when I read the text messages that included him having talks about impounding people's vehicles as he has repeatedly been responsible for dozens and dozens of unhoused people's vehicles and RVs being towed, taking away the only structure that they call home and everything they, that they have with a smirk on his face. His pattern in hate for poor people is why I'm not surprised why he was included in this group, group text. You can walk a few blocks down here, right? And talk to unhoused people who will tell you the stories of how awful they have been treated by this depart uh, police department, Linderman specifically. One of our friends said that he is the only reason that makes him want to jump in front of a train. And with the many suicides that we have had within this community, that is frightening. We have been the voices for the unhoused, complaining to the council, city managers, city staff, and APD for years, filing complaints against him, and have gotten absolutely nowhere. They have done nothing, and something needs to be done. And I'm here today because this man was complicit in these text messages. This man should be fired, or at the least, off of this engagement team. And I'm going to rephrase that because he should definitely be fired. They all got to go. Um, that directly deals with our most vulnerable population that include poor black and brown men, women, teens, and elderly people. We are tired. We are tired. Advocates are tired of seeing the tears and the hurt every time we go out, going off script here, but every time we go out, we've been going out for years, hearing the harassment, the, the way they feel degraded by this police department. And so I ask of you, if you can, please sign the petition that we have over here to remove him from this team immediately. And um, we're hoping that the city of Antioch um, makes changes to do so. And so just again, just going off script a little bit, I went to a forum not too long ago, Frank just mentioned. And um, I know we all, a lot of people have been telling me that they, you know, we have faith in this, this new chief. A lot of these issues did not stem from him. But it is disappointing for me with this chief, I must say, because this chief decided to put Malone as a lead uh, community engagement person and put him on that team as a lead community engagement person when he knows that he killed and murdered someone in San Francisco, a homeless man, unarmed homeless man in San Francisco. It also it also affects advocates and unhoused people, and it disturbs, disturbs us that he also has Linderman still on this community engagement team knowing that this man has been harassing because advocates and community members have been saying it for a while now to him. So it is disturbing. And at that forum, one, another thing that disturbed me was when he said, we are a team. This is before the text messages came out. This was about a month ago. We are a team. 
you know, he didn't really make it seem as though I'm above them, but we don't need you to be a team. It's cool to be a team, but we need you to be a leader. You need to step up and you need to make sure that you are a leader because we have people being harassed on these streets every single day, black and brown folks, all types of folks on these streets. And we need you to be a leader. We need you to step up. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. And you just heard the community of Antioch speaking out in response to the release of racist, homophobic, and sexist text messages exchanged between officers of the Antioch Police Department. After that rally, the community marched up the street to the city hall for a special city council meeting called to deal with these text messages. That night, the city council unanimously passed three motions to audit the police department. One, an audit of the police department's internal affairs process. Two, an audit of the Antioch Police Department's hiring and promotional practices. And three, an equity audit of the Antioch Police Department. Again, all three of these passed unanimously. And currently, of the 100 officers on the force, 45 are already caught up in this scandal. 14 of those officers hold leadership positions. And just FYI, again, you can see and hear the entire community speak out on the First Voice Media Facebook page. That's First Voice Media on Facebook, and we did stream that live on April 18th. Uh, we'll also post a link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. But let's move on with the show now. After the community held a protest on the steps of the police department, that was April 18th. On Friday, April 20th, civil rights attorney John Burris held a press conference to announce the filing of a federal lawsuit. We're going to hear that press conference now, which includes voices of the victims, um, or what we should call survivors. And again, we did stream the press conference live on April 20th to see the entire video. You can go to First Voice Media on Facebook. So let's go to that press conference now. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is John Burris. I'm here with Ben Nessenbaum. Uh, we're the attorneys who recently filed a lawsuit uh, against the city of Antioch, alleging um, various forms of civil rights violations as well as uh, what they call 1981, a race-based discrimination, and, and also a pattern and practice uh, lawsuit. This fact pattern is the most pervasive racial hatred uh, case I've ever been involved in. Uh, that is certainly the kind of thing you have expected, and certainly if I read history books and read a lot of the books in black history, Southern justice and all, and some northern, but I've never seen the, the pervasive forms of racial bigotry that was communicated amongst these officers as if it were a cup of coffee. And some of the things they said were so horrific that it certainly made me cringe to think that these are the very people who are supposed to be serving the people of this community. I, knowing what I know now, this community probably should have been more afraid of the police than, than the gangsters or the criminals that were in, in their communities, because these were criminals. And if you looked at how they treated the people, 
uh, in terms of the use of force. They took great pleasure of using excessive force. As one example where an officer said that uh, I, I tried to kick a field goal uh, with the person's head. Another talked about using uh, the E-40s, which is the less lethal weapons, uh, against the mayor himself. And, and they talked about where they used it on other individuals. And, and one of the things we've always talked about is racial profiling. That is the stopping of African Americans without just cause, without sufficient probable cause, a reasonable suspicion to justify the stop. Well, it's pretty clear that that was a modus operandi with respect to these officers. They would stop people just because they were black, and they would harass them, they would search them, and ultimately uh, arrest them if they thought that they could get away with it. I thought the more interesting component of it was that when they got confessions, they didn't want any kind of oral, written, videotape of the confession. They wanted the confession to be such that they could make up the confession and convince the superiors that the person had confessed. And of course, uh, the defendant had no way of opposing it. So it was a rampant, deep-seated uh, course of conduct that existed here. And when you think about it, to me, that, that's most egregious is that I listened to the tapes, I heard and read about the tapes, is that there were supervisors, sergeants and lieutenants who were part of the, the text mail uh, list. And unfortunately, they're the ones who were supposed to call into questions and to prevent this from happening. But they did not. So they were part of the conspiracy. And I thought about it is that if, if the supervisors are involved in the conduct, what hope was there for any of the people in this community? Because that is who they're supposed to go to, to the sergeants, lieutenants, and these same people in internal affairs. And, and so what we had is a department that was totally corrupted racially, that you had officers who were used racial terms that were so bad that even I had come uncomfortable using some of them. But I will just say, this, this is common language that I saw amongst them that they were saying. There were different variations of the N-word, different variations, even old Southern ways of referring to uh, black women, monkeys, gorillas, faggots, water buffaloes, cunts. The president, uh, uh, that, uh, the president used in terms of describing the private parts of women uh, Trump, as you heard about the tape that he had, referred to the, the men as that, and then fat bitches, and many others. This conduct itself was so horrible that it was more than just locker room talk. It was a state of mind. And so for us, this was pervasive. And so many of the people that have been affected didn't even know that they were being treated this way. They didn't know that the conduct that they were being arrested for was improper. They didn't know that the physical beatings that they were taking that was unjustified. And yet these officers all knew. They all knew. And they continued to do it unabated and unstopped. And so from my point of view, we brought this lawsuit. And part of the lawsuit is not just to show the individual conduct that's taken place, but really to look at the pervasiveness that there was a pattern and practice that existed within this department that allowed for this discriminatory conduct to occur. That has to stop. And the only way it seems to me that you have to eliminate 
just about all 45, no, there's at least 45 officers who are on the, 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 the text message trains. And all of them, I should none of them protested. This included sergeants and lieutenants. So the words that I've talked to you about and the statements that, that were made in terms of how to physically treat people, those were all text messages that were sent out amongst each other. And no one came forward and said that any of that was improper. Well, you can't have a, con a police department where officers feel that they can just do whatever and there's no ramifications for it. There was no accountability, there was no discipline, and in essence, these officers were totally out of control. That in and of itself made it being condoned by the, uh, by the superiors because they should have known and taken appropriate action to prevent this from happening. So from my point of view, that we have to have this lawsuit to at least vindicate as many as we can the individual rights of the persons who've been offended or, or injured, whose rights have been violated. And then we have the issue of the department, and the department itself should be held responsible for the, engaging in this, allowing this type of conduct to occur by ratifying it by failure to do anything. So that, and so as a consequence, the department should be held responsible. Then the question is, what happens next? What should happen here? Because, you know, there's an age-old issue with departments is, can you police, can you trust the police to trust themselves, police themselves? Obviously, that's, obviously that's not true here. The police cannot be trusted to, to police themselves because they obviously did not do it here, and a lot of people suffered, and this whole community was in fear. So then you have to seem to me you have to go outside. Now, it is wonderful that the FBI is conducting their investigation for criminal conduct that is taking place, and, it's, and the county DA likewise is doing. That doesn't necessarily help the individuals, and it doesn't necessarily hold the department accountable. There may be individual officers who may get prosecuted, and, and we hope most of them get terminated. The real question is what happens to the department, and who's going to police this, this community? And so from our point of view, that's going to require outside intervention. Now, I was involved, not involved, but I, I'm very familiar because I have family on the East Coast of Camden, New Jersey. Camden, New Jersey Police Department was run amok. Well, that whole department was fired. And, 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 the, and the sheriff and the, uh, the, the um, hired members of the sheriff department of the Camden County to come over and run the department. Well, I'm not suggesting this sheriff department should do that because I don't have a great deal of confidence in them. We've had a number of cases against it. But I also know that you got to somehow rid the rottenness that exists within this department. That means it has to be taken out. And many of you remember the O.J. Simpson case when, when the, the lawyer said there's a uh, cockroach in the spaghetti. And the question is, do you throw out the spaghetti or you throw out the cockroach? Here, you throw out the spaghetti because it seems to me this department is so fundamentally corrupted by the racial biasness that existed, that, that has existed, that you cannot have these same officers or cannot accept the notion that these same officers have changed and that they themselves would act in a way differently. So, so that to me means we're looking at some form of oversight from either the federal government or, uh, or, uh, or uh, a monitor of some kind. But something has to change. New policies have to be written. Those new policies then have to be uh, officers trained on them. They have to be implemented. And then they have to be called into question on an ongoing basis by careful review. So our, this case is, uh, that we filed here is designed to move the agenda forward that way cannot allow 
this type of conduct to continue to exist in this community where these people are in, in, in fear, or, or not only in fear, but are disrespected in the most dehumanizing way. That cannot continue to allow. And so this lawsuit is designed to, to, uh, to take care of that point. Next, we have Ben, uh, my partner, and he will talk. Thank you. So about 20 years ago or so, uh, I began working with Mr. Burris. At that time, there was a virus in the Oakland Police Department. That generated uh, and allowed for police officers in Oakland to run amok in the community, to brag about making false confessions, to, to document confessions that never happened, to beat people up and lie about why they did it. Well, guess what? That virus has made its way to the Antioch Police Department. And that's what these officers admit to doing in their own text messages to each other. Now, is it that unusual? Maybe what's unusual is the light of day is shining upon it. I think that is the difference. Now we know, this is how they talk to each other. And now everyone knows. And what that means is that nobody, nobody from the poorest to the richest person in Antioch can trust or rely upon the Antioch Police Department to do the job that they are required to do to provide constitutional policing, honest policing, and fair policing. And that has to change. And that change starts now with the filing of this lawsuit. Among other things, we are seeking court monitoring. We need this department to change. It's not gonna change by itself. It's proven that. So what we're asking for is not just damages for each plaintiff who's been affected, but for the department to be under federal oversight, whether that be a court monitor, a court-appointed monitor, or some other form, there has to be an enforcement mechanism to that change. We don't see this as something that happens overnight. We see this as a process that may take years. Oakland is still under, under a f federal oversight. You know, we hope it doesn't take that long. But as you all know, Oakland has gotten a lot, lot better and the consent decree, in effect, has ultimately been highly effective and worked very well, not perfectly, but I think that that can happen here, and it should happen here. You know, there are at least uh, two Department of Justice associations that address itself to police departments like this. I've had a chance to under the Department of Justice, under Section 14.141, allows for the Department, Department of Justice to come in and investigate whether or not there's a pattern and practice of discriminatory policing taking place. That has happened in a number of cities throughout the country. More recently, Louisville, you know, uh, Memphis is one, Chicago, uh, Albuquerque. I've looked at over 20 of them because I'm looking to see how things are resolved. And I did that before we did the Riders case, and I know that the Department of Justice can do it if they want. Likewise, there's another department called the Office of Community Policing, and, and that also comes in and evaluates the department. We did that, and I did the case against San Francisco and Salinas. These are departments can come in and take a look and evaluate the department and see what can and cannot be done. I frankly know what can be done and what, how it can be done, and so, of course, we will move along those lines. 
But the only thing that we can assure you of is the status quo cannot maintain itself here. No, it cannot. And we have to identify what changes we can do. And the first thing is you've got to get rid of these officers who are involved in all of this. And the ones that are left, we have to see if they're salvageable or not. But we certainly have to be concerned that the ones who've been tainted by this, because there were at least 45 who were on the email, uh, on the text strand, none of them came forward. And you've got to believe that some of them affected some of the remaining officers who were present. So there's going to have to be a complete restructuring and, and, and reevaluation of all the officers who are left to see whether or not they are worthy of continuing. And we don't know that yet, but we certainly will hope to find out as we continue to march through. The people that we filed the lawsuit here today, they're not the end. This is just the beginning because we want to know all the other people who had, whose rights were violated uh, during the, by, by these officers and were treated in the most horrendous fashion uh, and disrespectful manner. Uh, and dehumanizing manner. Those are things we have to find out, and we will do so. So next, let me call on, um, next up, who would like to talk first here? Who would like to talk first? I'm um, Trent Allen's mom, and I am devastated right now with these Antioch police officers that target my son, that text each other comments about my son's head was a bowling ball that they kicked the a field goal, that they was gonna shoot him, that they shot him in his neck with a 40. These officers need to be removed from Antioch Police Department, and I mean moved, I mean criminal. They need to get, I need justice for my son. They need to be prosecuted, because this is unacceptable. And it's been going on for too long, because these same officers been targeting my house, kicking in my door, not having warrants, but I am devastated right now because my son could have been dead, but I'm his voice right now. And it's gonna be a change because I will, I will keep using my voice until I get justice for my son. And I thank the Lord because I prayed every day and I thank the Lord for revealing these officers. I get on the prayer line every morning and pray that these officers would be revealed. I went to court, preliminary hearing, every, every preliminary hearing, and I knew these officers was a lie. I went to my prayer line and I told them, pray because it's chaos in that court. And I want justice for my son. Shirelle, S-H-I-R-E-L-L-E, Cobb, C-O-B-B-S. My son's name is Trent Allen. And I think you all know, but a lot of these messages pertain to what they did, what these officers did to Trent, kicking him in the head like, like they were kicking a field goal. Uh, fortying him in the neck, stomping him, kicking him in his ribs, basically Rodney Kinging him. That's what they did. And they bragged about it. The 40 is a least lethal weapon that fires out rubber bullets. One of the officers said, I will pay another officer a steak dinner or a dinner if he would MF 40, the mayor. Uh, that shows you the kind of respect they had for the mayor and, what, and, and that is their uh, leader. Who's next?
We ready? Yeah. Hello. So, um, my bout with Antioch Police Department started as soon as I moved here in 2008. Antioch Police kicked in my door, drew guns on my kids before they ever saw my face. Claimed that I was dealing drugs. I didn't know a soul here. Um, I, I came down my stairs when I heard the rumbling in my house. I'm looking at an infrared beam pointing at me. Um, I asked them who they were looking for. They were in the wrong house. They said me. The funny thing about that is I'm a woman. There were all men in my house. I never saw a search warrant. Um, and then it continued with my son who was 17 in 2014. He was railroaded by Detective Stanger. My son was placed in a gang. Um, there was a birthday party where a fight broke out at this party. Uh, I'm talking about a brawl. A month later, my son and two other boys that he was not affiliated with were put on trial. Um, a lot of things were said in the courtroom that a jury never heard. Um, my son went to prison. My, my kids are sheltered. My, kid, my son has never been in the gang. They came and got my son 15 minutes before his bell rang at school. What gang member goes to school? Um, January 31st, 2023, my son was targeted again. Well, in 2020, he was targeted by Kelly at Nabnet, um, accused of human trafficking. My son has never even been arrested for being in the vicinity of anything that has to do with prostitution. Um, he denied uh, a deal, which kind of, I guess, upset them. Um, my son said he wanted to go to trial. My son hasn't seen a courtroom since 2020. All of a sudden, January 31st, 2023, my son is grabbed as he's on his way to work. Um, they said first that he had a warrant. Second, a detective wants to talk to him. Third, you know what happened last night. My son was at work last night. Um, my son had a trial date set for March 13th, 2023. Somehow his public defender, pretender, went and visited my son on a court holiday. That same evening, my son called me and said, Mom, I'm going to take a deal. And I said, what? Um, my son is sitting in prison right now as of March 24th, 2023. There has never been a drop of evidence. There has never been a court hearing. Um, his, his 2014 case, the parents of these defendants were ousted from the courtroom saying that they were going to be used as witnesses, took away their support system. We were never called as witnesses. Um, this, this drama with this police department continues. I had one officer stand in front of my house last year, sticking his tongue out at me, telling me my mama. I asked him, do they do mental health evaluations on them? Because I just cannot believe that this is somebody that we could depend on. I would never call Antioch police for anything. I don't care if somebody was killing me. I would just be dead. So yes, I, I, I need justice for my kid.
my uh, my son is sitting in prison. He has my my son wouldn't hurt a fly. So, I am so glad that this cancer has been exposed, and the air continues to hit it, so it continues to spread and get these disgusting humans, inhumans, out of this department. It's disgusting. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Be sure to check out the entire press conference regarding the filing of a federal lawsuit by civil rights attorney John Burris on the First Voice Media Facebook page. That's First Voice Media on Facebook. Also, organizers are asking anyone who can come out to the next Antioch City Council meeting on May 9th, come out at 6 p.m. and speak out against racism during public comment. The meeting starts at 7 p.m. And again, remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for links and information related to tonight's show. And then to give a big shout out to the Full Circle crew, our executive director, Miss M, myself, Freewell and Franklin, I'm the technical director for this show, Full Circle. And I've also been your host tonight. And that does bring us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is Londa Bajita. Good night, everyone.